This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Boobies. I'm your host, Angel. I thought I heard Do We Like Boobies. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I'm not your host, Bobby. That's how we're starting this show. No cuts or edits. All right. So here we are. We are at the movie. This was the movie that was uh, requested by one of our uh, listeners. And we decided that it made more sense to watch the original Black Panther before we came to this. Uh, this movie's... This week's movie is uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's a sequel to the 2018 movie. And um, obviously it's, you know, it came out last year. And famously, it's like, it, it, instead of recasting, you know, the Black Panther in the, you know, in the unfortunate death, you know, after the unfortunate death of Chadwick Boseman, uh the director who you and I spent a good amount of time giving insane praise to Ryan Coogler Mm -hmm. comes back to the world of black Panther and maybe decides to do something that it it's possibly like, it's not conducive to franchises the way most Marvel stuff does, Mm -hmm. but it probably gives this movie a unique feeling to it than most other movies in this you know universe it's interesting because what ryan coogler chooses to do is something that you only really see in tv series and episodic series right mm-hmm. when a fan favorite character is gone for whatever reason they have to be you know the the sometimes you have the choice to recast sometimes you have the chance to shift the focus to to your uh peripheral characters and that's something that Ryan Coogler decided to do to some fanboys dismay to a lot of people's like uh credit like it was it was an interesting call and personally i loved that he did this yes uh, before we get too far into this, Javi, what is your experience with Black Panther Wakanda Forever? When was the first time that you saw it? My when was the first? I think I saw it like opening weekend. Mm-hmm. My buddy was just like, "Hey, do you want to go watch it?" And I was like, "I was waiting. I was gonna wait for the for the for the hype to die down." Um, but honestly, like we were able to get pretty good seats right away, so I was like, "Ah, screw it, let's go watch it." Mm-hmm. um so went checked it out um and jesus jesus lou those there are some scenes that are rough to watch in 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 uh what's it called in in person like with in a group of people like there are some scenes in this movie that not in a like oh my god they're terrible like oh my god it's just like a collective emotional experience mm-hmm. <laughs> the same way caps avengers assemble is a big like um lightning rod moment in the mcu there are a couple scenes in this movie where coogler 
doesn't play any music, has no dialogue on screen, and you're just kind of sitting there with your little bitch-ass emotions. (laughs) (laughs) And you just kind of sit there and deal with it, and you you confront your grief head-on. Which is a uh, running theme in this film, is the confrontation Mm. of someone's personal grief. Um, But yeah, that was my first uh, experience watching this movie. My and then, of course, I watched it again at home this past weekend to get ready for this episode. My first time watching this movie, much like when we watched the original Black Panther, it was uh, in the drive-in theater. Um, just because it was the best time and, and way for us to watch it. Uh, my daughter's into Black Panther only because <laughs> he appears on that Disney Junior cartoon, Spidey and his amazing friends. I love that she decided that Black Panther is your favorite <laughs> Marvel character too. <laughs> I don't know if like if his mask just looks enough like Batman's cowl that like that's why she assumes I like it so much. But yes, I have Black Panther figures on my desk, and uh, you know I will now be be a fan of Black Panther. You know, thanks to my daughter, like getting <laughs> telling me that I like it. <laughs> Daddy, you like you like, and you're like, now I have to shit. <laughs> um. And you know what? Again, it's it's it's. I remember hearing about the passing of Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. and wondering what they were gonna do. I was a little concerned because you know, um, because some the two... of the theories being thrown around were fucking wild. Yeah, like some nobody really knew what was Jordan gonna happen. To come back as T'Challa. Yeah, and then there was like this stuff with Letitia Wright, where she, you know her weird like anti-vax stuff, you know, during the pandemic and. I think people were wondering if, you know, like, oh, is this going to be like someone we can get behind? And, you know, hey, lucky for her, there are far worse people in the DC extended universe that exists that will that will make any negative press about Letitia Wright seem like, you know, a giant, like just a tiny dot on the radar. <laughs> For anyone that thought Letitia Wright fumbled the bag, in comes Ezra Miller. Yeah. He Hurricane not Ezra made. <laughs> made sure that they were going to fumble the bag as hard as they possibly could. Yeah, the star of the flash. He who shall not be named. They who shall not be named. Yeah, sorry, exactly. Dickhead. Correct. <laughs> sorry. They who shall not be named. You know probably, that dickhead that, that be... shall not be named. <laughs> That should probably be their official designation on this podcast when we review that movie. <laughs> They're gonna be Baltimore. <laughs> um, oh god. I know yeah, the only it... ethical way to consume that movie is illegally. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. But I will say this. Um, you know, once the movie did come out and 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 we did watch it, I I, I really want us to get back into Ryan Kugler Corner because you know, we talked about last week is that it's very impressive just how um, it's very impressive, like how like he did so much world building in that first movie and that all the characters in the world, like, you know, you cared about them so much. And this movie proves that those characters were so well created and well developed that now they are being asked to carry the entire film with the star of the with the star of the original film gone 
And it's very impressive that the four women, you know, um, uh, Nakia, Okoye, uh, Shuri, and, you Ramon, know, Queen and, and Queen Ramonda, like, they anchor this movie. And it's it's so great to see just how well they carry the film on the, you know, on the side of the the protagonist. It's one of those things where it's like, this movie did not need to be a superhero movie at all. And for all intents and purposes, it's not mm-hmm. for a good, what, hour and 30 minutes of, of its runtime? Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of this movie, it's like so, it hinges so much on the performances of those four women. And it hinges so much on how much they drive the story and their relationships like not just to T'Challa, but to each other, and how they like rely on each other to be able to protect Wakanda. Um, it's like such a focal point. They're just so so well written, and it's like, you know, they're not one dimensional in the least. And it's like you forget, you forget that this is supposed to be the movie that introduces Shuri as the black, the next Black Panther. You know, mm-hmm. like it's just. Like, for a good portion of this movie, this is a lot about espionage. It feels like a modern, like, or a 007 type of movie. It feels like a modern espionage type of movie. Like, um, it just happens to have metahumans in it, you know? it. This has, it has all the stuff that we thought was really great about Black Panther last week. It has a lot of the same stuff that you and I thought was great when we did Captain America the Winter Soldier a few years ago. And I honestly think that it does. There's one movie that I kept thinking of, and obviously people be like, oh, we're talking about Marvel. Yes, I know. But <laughs> I there is another comic book superhero movie that, that does this, where they will, not exactly in the same way. This movie is unique. This movie is unique, and we probably will never get another superhero movie like it. But uh, the movie that I kind of thought of when while watching this, especially this time, you know, um, it, it kind of reminds me of Dark Knight Rises, right? Like it's the movie that follows up like a very acclaimed, you know, just game changing comic book film. And where in Dark Knight Rises, you had the third movie in that franchise. You had to basically have a movie deal with the absence of the best character in the second film, you know, like who, who like I, and when it's a villain, I get, I get that you can like just move on to a brand new villain and stuff like that. But it's just, it is weird to, to have like, you know, the star or one of the greater characters in a movie die. And then in the next film, you have to basically pivot and go in a completely different direction. Um, Damn it, I wish I had the timestamp so I can tell Eddie, the guy who asked for this movie, when you brought in Batman into into the Black Panther review. But it's, no, I mean, it's just just a movie I thought about while watching it, right? And it's just like, but this movie does it, again, even better. And I would argue, if we ever do get to Dark Knight Rises, I think it has aged not as badly as people would think as the (laughs) rest of the movies you know the pro (laughs) patriot act pro uh what's it called post 9-11 fucking jingoistic bullshit we all love know and love batman (laughs) 
but I will, and I will get into another reason why too. It's just, it, you get, but, but it's just good. It, it, you follow up the really great movie and you're missing one of the characters. So you have to try to do something else. But in this one, I guess it is, it's a much bigger deal because you are missing the hero in it. So, um, the beautiful thing, another thing we should talk about before we jump in. The beautiful thing, Tanosh, uh, that Tanosh, sorry, Ryan Coogler does in this movie is that is Marvel was like, hey, you did a bunch of world building in that first one that was amazing, and that you know no other Marvel movie has touched in the last ten years. And he was like, yeah, and they were like, can you do it underwater now? And he's <laughs> like, fuck yeah, and he goes on. To completely rewrite the the lost city of Atlantis as a Mesoamerican inspired empire, underwater mm-hmm. empire called Talokan. Yes. And holy shit, my guy. Like it is beautiful to see like that level of brown representation the thing i missed in this because i did watch it in the drive-in and that i just just this when i watched it for this podcast it 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 really kind of blew my mind so the movie is there are scenes in this movie i don't know if it's the entire film but there are scenes in this movie that are shot in imax and the scene of shuri going to telecon uh that scene was shot in IMAX and mm-hmm. thankfully, you know, my 4k TV and Disney plus, like it, it, it gives you the IMAX, like just like the insane high definition mm-hmm. and it's incredible. It's <laughs> it, it is. It was amazing. You see, like I've never been like you that's cared about IMAX until I saw that scene on this movie like when they're going like when she's in the in the hard suit and they're like going through the fucking whirlpool that takes her to Talokan and you can tell the noticeable difference mm-hmm. and I'm like oh now I see why Angel loves IMAX so much everything else feels <laughs> like sandpaper on my eyeballs now it's good stuff and I can never go back <laughs> <laughs> and it's more common there's a lot of really great movies that do that that do IMAX now so it's it's definitely great to see it, especially again. There's more world building in this, but let's go ahead and just get into the po- the plot of the movie, I guess. Um, so the movie kind of just starts with like <laughs> they're using the platypus of the movie. <laughs> no, the movie starts like really like suddenly, and I forgot how sudden the start of the movie was. Like I, well, I literally, I literally. Well, real quick, the cool thing before you jump into that is it goes into the really quiet like marvel banner completely purple and every other comic scene has after been the opening with, yeah. it does not it does not start with the logo oh you shut up just <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just I hate you. Don't correct me. <laughs> no, it's not about me correcting you. It's just like what I'm saying is like the way the movie started is it literally just kicks off with the scene that it's starting with. And I thought for a second that like I had skipped ahead or that I had started watching this and didn't finish or something. You drove into the wrong booth. And it's just, yeah, it is like this this sudden, you know, it's the way they deal with it, right? It is it is T'Challa is dying. Um, of some kind of illness mm. and Shuri's trying to heal him by using the heart-shaped herb which 
dude, when I saw this in theaters, I did mm-hmm. not watch the original Black Panther like leading into it. So mm-hmm. the heart shaped herb stuff to me when I watched it in theaters, it like kind of like went over my head. Yeah, whereas, like, like this... you forget about it, honestly. Yeah, whereas like this one, because we did watch it like the week before, mm-hmm. I remembered that like the heart shaped herb is what turned Killmonger into like this superhuman monster. And it <laughs> and it is like, you know, what gave what gave T'Challa like his powers and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh the fact that they are like, you know, saying that that Killmonger had destroyed all the herbs and Shuri has to like synthetically create one is uh it 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 presents an interesting conflict for it it gives us a a way for the movie to essentially write t'challa off and it starts again as you mentioned right away with the you know with the unhindered grief that we're that we're just going to get throughout the entire film prepare your emotions get dick punch for the next two hours and if and it's it's until after you are watching you know shuri basically start to realize that her brother is dead and gone and you're seeing just how everyone has been completely crushed by this then you get that purple marvel studio logo um then you get the shut up that's what you sound like (laughs) (laughs) point is it's completely quiet and all the Marvel comic book scenes, or then movie scenes we're used to seeing have all been replaced with scenes from Chadwick Boseman, from everything um, from Black Panther to Infinity War to Endgame. And it's just a great it's a great um, detail. It's a great uh, homage to him. It's a great homage to the character. Uh, if you remember when we watched Black Panther right now, uh on Disney Plus they also have that Marvel logo uh before the beginning of mm-hmm. uh, the first Black Panther 2 which I'm surprised we didn't talk about <laughs> no i think it's because you know again in, in in the first one it really is just such a great movie that like you don't really think about like you don't think about these things whereas like this movie is completely all about like it's it's so interesting like it just you can't help but think about it. Like you, you the presence of <laughs> of Chadwick Boseman, like or just the absence of Chadwick Boseman is felt so thoroughly in every like frame of this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Which as you mentioned, most of the time can be something negative, and a lot of people have complained about that. I can't complain about it. It it really sets this apart and makes this such a unique experience watching this. I mean, it's the same reason why people love Game of Thrones season one, right? Like, you, you're following Sean Bean's character for the entire season, and then you're fucking off him because it's Sean Bean, and that's kind of what happens in his career. <laughs> and then you're thinking, oh, shit, Ned's, there goes Ned Stark. Who the hell else am I supposed to follow, you know? Yeah, it is, again, as you mentioned, it is something that's often done in television. Um, it's not and- really done on film as much. Um but here we go. Like, I mean, instantly we we fast forward to a year, you know, after we get the the kind of like wake, funeral, burial of a Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to one year um, and it's like this meeting of nations where they are all like, you know, talking about how 
Wakanda needs to share vibranium, you know, with they, that they all need resources and stuff like that. And basically this, all the things that the Wakandans were worried about in the original film, right? Mm-hmm. It was like, we cannot let this get out. You know, we should continue to have people think that we're some obscure third world country where nothing happens. There's no interest in coming here. And instead we live this secret, like high tech, like, utopian society mm-hmm. <laughs> uh that has never been colonized <laughs> by the western world and mm-hmm. you know in this one now we re- we really are going to get people dealing with all the things that that you know the wakandans had warned about and part of the reason why they lived you know separate for so long um i love how during this scene it's uh also like intercut with scenes of French special forces breaking into a Wakanda outreach facility, mm-hmm. trying to steal vibranium from this like, um, from this uh from this site, and as the French representative is like demanding for Wakanda to start sharing resources as uh Prince T'Challa had originally promised, you know they break open this safe. And out comes four Dormavillage uh, soldiers, and then they proceed to kick the ever-loving shit <laughs> out of all of these, like, Black Ops French dudes. Mm. And the entire time, Queen Ramonda is giving this, this um, like, this is impassioned speech talking about how you know, while she wants to be a beacon, like, you know, she wants Wakanda to be this beacon uh, on the planet, but not if people are trying to steal Wakandan resources and that even though they may be a nation in mourning who has lost their king and who has lost the Black Panther, uh, she reminds the rest of the world that Wakanda is far from defenseless mm-hmm. and suddenly, like, you know, they open the back door and in come the Dora Milaje, like, walking just dog walking <laughs> into the middle of the fucking uh like chamber floors and it's just crazy um the first and- scene of the very great and now academy award nominated uh angela bassett who you know this she 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 has nominated for the oscar for this so what we are watching in in here in her performance could very well be an Oscar winning performance in a week or two. <laughs> oh, she absolutely deserves it because this yeah. entire this actually her entire performance in this film is amazing. Yeah, like you can't fucking like like that has to be the best like acting performance I've seen in any Marvel movie. She's yeah. a great actress that has been around for decades mm-hmm. and. um you know, even though she's been another, I think she's been nominated before. Um, this is it's it's great to see her. You know, at, at all these years later, you know, getting this moment, you know, getting this shining moment in this again. Um, let's see. So also during this time, uh, Queen Ramonda, um, you know, she tries to reach out to Shuri. Uh, back in Wakanda, who is uh, completely, um, who at this point, Shuri is completely 
uh, trying to like go even further into the future. She's trying to make uh, these mech suits. She's trying to make like Iron Man esque type armor that all the Dora Milaje can use. Like, like her idea is that she wants to take Wakanda more to the forefront of the future with a lot more high tech uh, weaponry. Uh, however, uh, Queen Ormonda continues to ask her to uh, try to to try to bring back the heart shaped herb uh, because what she wants is that she wants to bring back the the tradition of the Black Panther and the tradition mm-hmm. of the old Wakandan ways. Um, however, this and I love that this is an arc Sherry's been on since the first movie. You know, mm-hmm. like her arc has always been that she's been against the tradition, like the tr- the old traditions, and that she doesn't want to be another. Um, you know, she doesn't want to be beholden to to the ancestors, and that she believes that true progress is to move forward. Um, complete not not exactly cutting herself off from her culture. Or her from like the spirituality in her culture, but like you know, also believing, and you know, it makes sense, right? At, at this point in her life, she's been like she's seen Titan, or she's seen the Mad Titan Thanos, and she's seen all this like intergalactic warfare. She's been a part of this intergalactic warfare. She went from like surviving a civil war to fighting aliens. Uh, where Avengers Tower once was, like not just that, but in the original film, like she in the original Black Panther movie, she ends up seeing essentially how two different men like rule the same kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, one being T'Challa, and then there's the segment of the movie where Killmonger effectively becomes the king of Wakanda, and it almost feels like even like having that experience as well of seeing that film and then at the end of the movie how after the death of Killmonger they start setting up those like little outposts in places all over the world Mm -hmm. like it feels like Shuri like is kind of in between the characters of Killmonger and T'Challa also at the same time Mm -hmm. where it's Um, like she's offering a like she's offering a a olive branch while at the same time like you know being ready to smack people with it if she needs to mm -hmm. um so in, in so after this we find out that the U.S. actually has access to a vibranium detector which is the first of its kind and as far as we know, the only one in the entire planet. Uh, of course, of course so, they do. So uh, the CIA and Navy SEALs are, or in the U.S. Navy SEALs are in this joint operation working with another company that is uh, trying to mine or that's detected a deposit of vibranium under the Atlantic Ocean. And then uh, as like the as like the CIA agents get flown in. Uh, you know, they the they're sending an expedition down underwater. Oh man, <laughs> oh my telosophobia was going off like crazy. Yeah, here, I was telling my wife when we were watching this movie that, like, just like obviously in this movie, it's beautiful and all this stuff is like it's so interesting. I was like, but man, like the thought of just being out at sea and hearing this like blaring siren music, like mm-hmm. <laughs> few things on earth are more horrifying than like ocean demons <laughs> coming out when you're in the middle of the ocean coming to killing you. This is a scene where I will gladly say, Mecca, get away. 
like, there's a part where like she's like, "Oh, it's beautiful. Look at that big old jellyfish." I'm like, "Nah, bitch. I try to look at that jellyfish." <laughs> and then she turns around, and then find out that the the line is cut, and they can't find her partner. And then she screams. And then, like you said, you hear the siren song of the ocean that then causes all these guys on the on the oil rig to just kind of like jump into the ocean to their deaths. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, fuck this. <laughs> and it's revealed that there is a a group of um not fish people, but they're definitely water breathing superhumans. Uh, and I love the way they look, like, especially in the beginning, we're not 100% sure who they are, but they're covered in, like, Mesoamerican style, like, Mayan armor with a lot of runes, a lot of stones and jewelry, and, um, a lot of, like, the traditional headdress of Mayan, of, like, old Mayan, um, yeah, just, like, of old Mayan, like, inspired headdresses and cool stuff. Uh, while at the same time still oceanic like we get a really cool look at one of the characters where it looks like his headdress is made of like a hammerhead shark's like skull mm-hmm. um, and the, these guys can take bullets like crazy <laughs> they can, as the CIA agent tries to escape she ends up capping a couple of them they just get back up and start chasing her again um, she manages to get on the, helicap- on the helicopter and as they try to fly away they're already uh calling uh for reinforcements saying that it was the Wakandans when suddenly something pulls the helicopter literally out of the air, spins it around, and sends it flying into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it's revealed to be a man, uh the leader of our uh aquatic group, uh Namor with his uh, little his little cute wings on his ankles, which <laughs> make the the little flippy flap noises whenever he's flying. Yeah. So my understanding is in the comic books, he's Namor the Submariner. Yes. And in this movie, they uh, this is what we talk about, where you have to give with the amazing, like just the care that um that Ryan Coogler took. You know, or that his team took last time with how they crafted Killmonger, with how they crafted the world, with how they put the story together in something that just like clicked with people and 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 became such a giant like like it's just it's become part of like you know American black culture in many ways. Like it is incredible, like how they tap into you know with with you know the re- with the way that they reimagine Namor as like this my like like this Yucatan Mayan like the uh the serpent god the civilization mm-hmm. like it's just it is references to stuff that it's all Mesoamerican culture yes. it's all it's not and that's the thing it's really important not to differentiate or it's important to differentiate what i mean mm-hmm. it's not latin american no it's not hispanic american latino american it's not mexican american this is mesoamerican these are people who still live indigenous folks who are living mm-hmm. in the yucatan peninsula people that grew up in the mountains where 
you know, our where you your family and my family weren't living out in Central America, you know, like this is these are people who within Latin America are looked down on. These are people who are kind of treated differently. These are people who are discriminated against and whose culture is viewed as um, other and it's othered because we are very Roman Catholic um culture you know it it, it it this is one of those things where it's like as hispanics or hispanic americans even we haven't dealt with like in many ways we haven't fully dealt with a lot of the problems of our own colonies spanish colonization like you know there are many of us that 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 are descendants of some of these civilizations and due to you know colonization uh the like the fact that everything is just so eurocentric mm-hmm. in all latin american countries mm-hmm. and the eurocentric beauty standards um you know the fashion the, the sense the fashion architecture. but then also just like stuff like you know the genocide and and all the same problems that have existed here with American Indians and 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 the Europeans that have come from mm-hmm. you know from the other side of the world as well. It's it's the same. It is great that we are dealing with this kind of stuff again. Mm-hmm. Like it is this this movie will do similar things to the last film in that it's going to present a villain who is going to have a lot of you know like they're right like a lot of what they're fighting for like it's what makes these you know the quote-unquote villains in these movies so good is the fact that they are they have understandable like reason like there's a method to everything and their motivation is realistic and it's actually makes sense it's something Mm -hmm. you don't like you may not you understand why someone's fighting for this yes and it's fantastic they pick an amazing actor tenoch huerta relatively uh unknown actor the only other thing i'd seen him in before this was the forever purge if you ever seen that (laughs) um (laughs) your giggle already tells me no (laughs) no but yeah he plays uh he plays a rancher or a ranch hand um a ranch hand who came to the U.S. with his wife uh, fleeing from uh, cartel violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you find out they're actually uh, militia, like they're members of a militia group that fought against the cartels. Mm-hmm. And turns out they're like badass characters. Like, eh, it's not a bad movie. It's worth checking out at least. Um, But yeah, just like it is just awesome to see these characters just donned in like these, you know, donned in this like clothing and this armor and seeing this representation of groups of people that like it just feels refreshing. It feels like Denos Huerta is someone that, you know, like he grew up in Mexico, looks like my dad. He talks like my dad, like mm-hmm. hearing him in interviews and like hearing him like speak in English. And, you know, he has my dad's like accent or like he talks and makes jokes the same way my dad does. Like, I, I still haven't shown this movie to my dad and I do, but I have shown him like some of the interviews, um, specifically the one where 
Uh, Tenoch tells everyone that, uh, or everyone asks him if he knows how to swim, and he keeps telling people, "Well, I haven't drowned yet." And everyone's like, "Ha ha ha, that's so funny!" And then, you know, only for ever, like his agent to find out he actually didn't know how to swim, and that he was just being charming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like it's one of those things where, I, like, like Kugler has oh, an understanding the, of like the how... other thing that I've seen to Notuarte in is uh Sin Nombre. Have you ever seen that film? No, um, I haven't. Oh my god. I we, we probably you know what we should watch it for this podcast. We'll watch it in in uh in sometime in the summer when, oh, uh, when right. things have when things have like slowed down on a bunch of movies and new releases that have come out. I think we should watch it. It is a um it's a really good movie from Carrie uh Carrie Fukunaga, who was, uh, I think, I think did she do the invitation? Um, I don't know. I do know that they did. Uh, goodness, what is that series? It's a television series. Uh, but they've also done a True Detective, and they've done mm-hmm. Beast of No Nation and stuff. So, um, it's it's a it's a really good movie worth watching. Um, he plays an MS thirteen gang member in it. But it's a it's a movie about a Honduran girl like who's who's coming to the U.S. and like it, it's it's you and I will have a good it, it's a good movie for us to review on this show so mm-hmm. so I will and and every time I see him now it's really crazy like knowing what like knowing what he looks like now and how he is now like as an actor now that we fully understand him it's it's so bizarre how like every Hispanic actor or Latin actor like there's one movie in their catalog where they were like they had a shaved head and were like a gangbanger at some point in their film career. Gotcha. So we'll have a Tenos Huerta movie festival. You get Sin Nombre <laughs> and I get Forever. <laughs> oh, I'm with man. it. and We can do that, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just refreshing. Like, like and this is the thing like growing up where we grew up it's a very much like richmond is very much a melting pot like it's a melting pot of a city the bay area is a melting pot of a city like it's hard not to adopt certain things from other cultures into kind of your day-to-day life (laughs) and that's what this movie makes me feel like it may like this movie makes me feel at home in a weird way like it's one of those things where it's like this is made by someone who understands what it's like to live in a place where black and brown communities are essentially like essentially you become one of the same. well the other thing is like so the original black panther it gave like you know like it gave black people i know like kind of like this you know like who wasn't doing the the you know crossing their hands doing the wakanda forever like you know symbol you using the word colonizer like it is in mm-hmm. like language now like where we commonly use it you know and it, it again it, it has just seeped its way into pop culture and it was it, it's it was such a moment of like yeah this is like you know it, it's our moment we get this we get to kind of like identify with something that's so it's fictional but it's so like it, it kind so of encompasses yeah there's something you know there, there's 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 some like authentic you know there's authentic like it's stuff from like different places in africa like that from it 
and it feels and it feels so real and lived in and that's essentially the same thing that's done here with telecon mm-hmm. like it is it, it 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 takes stuff that's so old ancient and not like that we're really not taught enough in our culture mm-hmm. and at the same time you get like what is it the hands the, the hand gesture that like everyone was doing in tiktok videos and yeah stuff. the open like... <laughs> the, the open i don't know what to call it uh, i yeah. want to call it open clam but that sounds like offensive <laughs> it, it's 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 a it is a feat it is a feat to be able to put to 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 be able to create worlds that feel so real out of something that science fiction and essential fiction it's i we can't give him enough credit for that and i don't want to be harping on that for the entire episode but it's just yeah you're right and you know what the best part is it's freaking (laughs) it's 2022 is the year of a of every white man's fear finally coming to light (laughs) we stole all your jobs you bastards (laughs) that's right i got 20 of your jobs hiding in my garage right now (laughs) because god damn it imperious rex can kiss my ass it's all about (laughs) kukulkan now (laughs) Uh, not to mention you got you got freaking uh what's it called last of us that came out Pedro, that's right. Joel Miller's ours too now, bitches. <laughs> the best part is we're taking over, all right. And if I hear any more bitching, if I hear any more bitching, I'm going to rewrite Full House so that's a bunch of like they're a bunch of Cubans now. Okay, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> so go ahead, keep saying shit, keep saying shit, and that's not even including that we got a uh, Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. Yeah. And All we right. Also got, what, Where are we in this movie? By night. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Where were we? <laughs> no, I don't, no. I'm, you don't. You can't see me right now, but I'm wearing some sun shades because my future is bright, baby. <laughs> we're just out here stealing all these white people jobs. <laughs> all right. Okay, I'm done. Anyway, back to back to the story. All right. So essentially, essentially, once we see. Uh, you know, Namor the first time when he like arrives in in Wakanda, like it it is when Shuri and you know Queen Ramonda are 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 like you know they're, they're talking near near the water, and he like pops up. You know, Namor pops up out of nowhere, <laughs> essentially mm-hmm. like basically warning them, you know, of what is happening, letting the alerting them of what has been going on, uh, letting them know that they are that there is a scientist that. You know that that has that has essentially the one who's blown the lid on their society by mm-hmm. like you know by showing by by showing everyone that there is vibranium, you know in 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 where they live, which is another thing. Telecon and and Wakanda are bonded together by their you know Access dependence and and their discovery and keeping of vibranium like you mentioned he's tasked wakanda with bringing him the scientist because if he if he does not he essentially he in his mind namor is telling queen ramonda that if they're able to bring uh the scientists to uh talokan that they will pretty much see them as allies and work with the wakandans however if they're not able to bring the scientists to him, he promises that he will 
essentially when he does when he does choose to wage war against the surface world that wakanda will be the first nation to fall and he threatens by them by saying that no matter how many soldiers they have he promises he has more and you're left like you know you're left with a lot of this political intrigue where people are trying to find out who is this other nation that's involved what does Talokan have to do what is their end game well not really their end game namor is very very he's very vocal that his end game is he's going to destroy the surface world yes like and he's very uh, vocal about it. It's really good introductions. Whereas in the last film, Killmonger, we talk about how impressive that Killmonger introduction was and how it intrigues you, like it, how intriguing it is to him as a character. Mm-hmm. They do things in a very different way, but also pretty similar with Namor in that, like, you know, he just comes out of the sea, lets them know, hey, this is what is going to happen. I'm mm-hmm. letting you know now, and you're either going to be with us or you're going to be against us. And there is such a matter-of-fact way in how he communicates this to where it does feel like Killmonger. Like, it is someone mm-hmm. who's... It's someone who's inherently more ruthless mm-hmm. than, you know, than the, pe- than the people who are ruling Wakanda. But much like with Killmonger, once you get the story of Namor, like the origin story that he mm-hmm. tells Shuri later in the film, you understand why mm-hmm. these guys are the way they are. <laughs> you know there is something about it that 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 just it, you get it and, and the, um, thing, the thing is Namor is very soft-spoken for the most part mm-hmm. he's very calm and well-metered so a lot of his delivery is very doesn't even feel like a threat that's the crazy part it did like I I I remember feeling like oh dang oh no never mind there he is now he's threatening to mm-hmm. bury Wakanda <laughs> I was like, why wouldn't you want to work with this guy? He's so soft. And it's like, oh no, there it is. And then uh so sure so Okoye takes on the mission to uh try to find the scientist. Um she insists on taking Shuri with her to the US so that way Shuri can be in the field. Um having kind of after the death of T'Challa, like focus completely on her on her studies and her research and development of new technology. Uh, they end up uh, getting some information from Ross that the uh, vibranium detector was actually a science project created by an MIT student by the name of Riri Williams, who uh, comic book fans will recognize as the successor to Iron Man and who goes on to become known as Iron Heart. Mm-hmm. So... I remember this character when she was first being introduced in comics and just the white male outrage that it caused. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, it, it was an interesting choice to include her here. It's pretty interesting. The stuff with, I feel like all the stuff with Ross and Ironheart and, you know, who is the character that is, uh, what's her name is playing? Elaine, uh, uh Valentine Defontaine. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it, those are the ones where again it feels like Kugler is kind of like, okay, well, I have to bring in stuff from the other worlds, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like there are things, there are always parts where you have to kind of like where you have to set up other things, and I do appreciate you know the the inclusion of Ironheart in this. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the Ironheart series yet, so I should watch it. Um, is it out? Is it out already, or is it something so. that we're I think still we waiting for? We got some for? time. 
Oh, okay. Well, according to the end of this movie, it's not out because yes. they take back the Ironheart armor. But sorry, there's so many things on Disney Plus like that are MCU related, like just mm-hmm. like past WandaVision, which was the only series I watched. Like I haven't watched a single one, maybe three episodes of of She Hulk. I really need to catch up on my Disney Plus Marvel. <laughs> I know there's a lot, especially Loki, man. Because especially going into Quantum Mania, <laughs> in the funny, yeah, like I saw Quantum Mania and I saw the Loki reference in it. And I was like, mm, didn't watch Loki, but mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Anyway, um, so she, as you mentioned, she is a scientist that they are looking for, um, and she obviously does not want to go with them, and she realizes the grave mistake she has made by creating this vibranium detection. Uh, thing and uh, how now she will be chased by blue underwater people <laughs> who will want to kill her, as well as the American government will also be looking for her. <laughs> I love when she, I love when Okoye goes to like and breaks into her, uh, into her dorm and Riri freaks out, starts throwing stuff at her, and she's like, Get, get away! And she throws the heater, and then Okoye cuts it in half with her spear, and she's like, You brought an entire spear to my home! <laughs> like, it's really funny. I've never seen the girl that plays uh, Riri before. Have you seen her in anything? No, I have not. Well, she was great. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Before I go you know not giving people the correct names dominique thorne yeah i need to find out what she was in but she did a great job yeah um but yeah like you were saying they they she she ends up going with the wakandans they end up taking her to or she ends up taking them to her workshop where they're able to get um kind of like the specs for the uh vibranium detector uh, making sure no one can use her uh her, her technology she kind of burns everything like and at this point the united states government starts making a move on her they end up separating okoye uh and shuri going on a motorcycle and in riri's car meanwhile riri we learn that she's actually built her own kind of like a uh tony stark style uh iron man suit mark 1 where it's big and bulky, <laughs> except she is actually able to use repulsor technology and can actually fly. Mm-hmm. So this leads to a giant chase throughout Boston, uh, where the police are after the Wakandans and Riri. Uh, they end up deploying a drone uh, because the U.S. loves deploying drones. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. guess the mission here was to blow Riri out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> with freedom i guess but anyway she ends up taking to the sky uh she has this cool scene where she's able to shoot the drone uh out of the air as she loses oxygen and ends up passing out uh last minute she is able to wake up and get control of her uh flight suit again and she ends up using the drone to take out a bunch of police cars <laughs> i'm assuming killing them Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if there, there's something that's not addressed in these movies, and it's the wanted like collateral damage and murder. Yeah, it's pretty shocking just how easily she blew things. <laughs> just like Tony Stark, I'm just saying. Hey, you know. And then know. on the bridge, we get what might be the most dis like the most terrifying display of water being used as a weapon. 
because we learned that uh, the Talokan warriors have like water grenades that just shoot tidal waves at people. <laughs> and this ends up destroying uh, Riri's car. Um, and there and this ends up like destroying uh Shuri's bike as well. Um, and this is where we get introduced to uh, Namora, um, who at least if I don't remember if she's the little sis Namora's sister in the comics. I think she is his sister. Yeah. Um, but I think in the movie, well, they, I don't know about the comics. Like, in the film, she's definitely his sister. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely his sister. Um, and we find out that you know she's a badass warrior. She goes and takes out like three cobs. Uh, we're also introduced to a Tuma. That's the uh hammerhead uh the hammerhead shark uh headdress uh warrior who has who has feelings for Okoye. Because <laughs> he spent the rest of the movie trying to fight her all the time. <laughs> um, but they have a really dope fight scene here on the bridge, uh, where eventually uh Atuma just kind of overpowers her. And uh before he can kill Okoye, uh Shuri and uh Riri end up getting taken by uh the Talokans. Um yeah. Uh, they end up getting uh taken underwater so that they can meet um mm-hmm. so that they can meet uh with Namor in a different uh in a different location. Um yeah, and I think during this part um I think this is when uh Okoye uh goes back to Wakanda uh Ross is, and Ross is investigating this um he's in- investigating this uh crime scene mm-hmm. and this leads to uh the gathering of the the gathering of the elders back at uh Wakanda so all the heads of the tribe including everyone's favorite Jabari uh Umbaku shows up. <laughs> uh, I love the return of Umbaku. He's not a he's he doesn't have a huge role in this movie, but he is a great familiar presence and obviously like you know hey the this movie Wakanda is anchored by a lot of women. Mm-hmm. You know, he essentially is the only male character left. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um and I don't think it's here, but he has that funny line where he calls Okoye a bald head demon when she yeah. says something to him. <laughs> um, but here, uh, people are trying to decide what to do. You know, Shuri's gone, Riri's gone. Um, they're trying to decide what to do with Okoye and how to handle the Talokan. And uh, in a moment of just like pure emotion and grief, Ramonda just reads Okoye the riot act and she ends up you know taking away her her uh her rank as Daramalaj and the general um that, she yeah that, or that scene where she is going off about you know how she's the queen of Wakanda and her entire family is dead oh I think my god that line broke me dude it is like it's it's you know i think we talked about it when we did hereditary like mm-hmm. the tony collette monologue like it is the monologue to where if she wins the oscar 
it is based on that scene. Uh, the line, I am queen of the most powerful nation in the world and mm-hmm. my entire family is gone. Have I not given everything? It was in you... the trailer. It was in the trailer and you knew it was going to be good because mm-hmm. you saw it in the trailer and it didn't matter that you already saw it coming. When you see it in the movie, it hit just as hard, if not even harder. <laughs> exactly, because now you have all the context of everything going on and it's just like... And even and and someone even brings up that Okoye chose to fight against her husband, and uh, the you know when and when uh, Killmonger was the king, and she's like, "Where is her husband in prison where she can visit any time?" She's like, "Where is my husband with the ancestors? Where is my son with the ancestors?" And you just can't help but feel like she's had to be the strong person this strong character for so long that it's like it finally got to her. It's just fantastic. Like, Angela Bassett, she deserves the Oscar, damn it, and I'll fight anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> uh, and then she ends up taking it upon herself to actually go in to find uh, some help outside of Zora Milaje. And she actually goes to Haiti to try to find uh, Nakia, who apparently has disappeared since the blip. Um, and she would learn that she wasn't there the day of uh T'Challa's funeral. Uh, so there is a little bit of um, not animosity, but there's a little bit of tension between Ramonda and uh Nikki at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she asks her um for one more time to kind of take on her old role as a spy and uh to do what no one else in wakanda can do and to try to find shuri so uh we get um so interspersed while uh nakia is doing uh some investigations and some research in the gukatan peninsula learning about uh name uh namor and the talokan um we also get interspersed uh kind of the the reveal of namor's origin story as well as like the beautiful scene you and i were talking about earlier where uh she finally where shuri gets to see talokan Mm -hmm. uh underwater and we learned that uh namor was uh the son of an indigenous um I get. I don't. I don't remember if it was. My, they never flat out say if it's like Mayan or Aztec. They say Mesoamerican a lot, <laughs> but he's of an indigenous tribe. His mother was pregnant with him, and uh, when the Spaniards came to colonize, they gave essentially the entire tribe uh, a smallpox. So as everyone lay dying, the shaman, um, a shaman priest, uh, had a vision of finding a magical herb that was going to grant them uh special abilities so when he goes and gives the herb to the entirety of the of the tribe everyone kind of falls asleep together and when they wake up they find that they no longer have the ability to breathe oxygen in the air Mm -hmm. but by jumping into the water they uh, can absorb oxygen through their skins so now everyone has become an aquatic. Uh, everyone of this tribe is now aquatic. Um, and eventually Namor's mom gives birth. Uh, it turns out that he's actually a mutant. 
and that he's able to uh, live both uh, on the surface land or underwater. Oh, great, great, great way to tie him back into like a future X-Men movie. To be Absolutely. honest, like I, th- th- that is kind of the thing I like about some of these Marvel movies. Again, these quote unquote like side character Marvel movies. Now that we've like gotten through Endgame, like I really do like that. I I think we're inching closer and closer to MCU X Men. Oh yeah. So, um, so Namor, uh, he's born with wings on his ankles, which allow give him the ability to fly. Uh, I forgot the way he phrased it. He has it was like wings on wings on my ankles and ears that point towards the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he grows up, we learn features that he... features that you know the ears and I mean not the wings, but specifically ears. Like I know are such a feature in our culture, like to where white Latinos would tease you if you had like ears, like if you have features that look quote unquote Indian or indigenous, like you would get teased. And I feel like ears is part of it. Like there's something in there that I can recall. So I think the fact that they, the fact that he takes something like this and turns it into just what he does by saying that ears that point to the sky. I think it's, it's impressive. It is impressive taking features that would normally be, you know, something that people might feel ashamed of and turning it in, into a strength or something like just viewing it in a completely different light is part of, you know, it's part of what's so great about this character. Oh yeah. So uh, one of the things that Namor talks about is that his mom well, he ages slower than everybody else, so we know he's um we know that uh he's been around at least four hundred years. And just due to living underwater, he's stronger and has like superhuman strength and all this other stuff. Um but he also talks about how one of the motivations or what one one of the things that um he was never able to give his mom was kind of like happiness because she she missed living on land. Mm-hmm. So when she dies, uh, him and uh, some warriors go to try to bury her on land as she as was her dying wish. And when Namor and the Talokan warriors uh, go back on land, they see indigenous tribes being enslaved by and this is really important not just by colonizers like soldiers but also priests and people of the cloth that were using religion at the time as a way to justify uh what was being done to these people mm-hmm. and uh i love this scene like you know you have the priest being like who is that boy who does he belong to uh screaming in spanish and young Namor just like starts flying into the sky and just like strikes this pose, <laughs> and immediately they start yelling that he's a demon, and yes. then the the Dalokan warriors just start taking everyone out. And um, this is where we find the origin of his name is that as the priest lay dying and before Namor kills him, uh, he calls him El Niño Sin Amor. Um, 
then taking pretty much the last portion of that name, he uh or the boy without love, um, and he takes the last portion of that word Damor, saying that he will never have love for the surface world. This is such a good origin story that I could never imagine reading a Namor the Submariner comic, and like. I can't imagine him having any other kind of origin. <laughs> like it is a thing that fundamentally makes this character one of the most interesting that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And then like I just picture myself like reading a comic book and be like, huh, this is very different. <laughs> yeah. Because originally Namor the Submariner was just kind of there. It feels like he's like you know, some kind of Aquaman-ish character. He's kind of a fashy Aquaman. Mm. And he ends up joining, I forget why, but he ends up joining the Invaders, which is a Captain America team that uh, fought way back in World War II. Because he's actually, so Namor is actually Marvel's like longest running superhero, I think. Because, mm. you know, we're talking about like pre-World War II kind of like comics that were going right. around. Um, so that's why it's so interesting how they've been able to reimagine this character completely and make him at the same time much, much more interesting for someone like us. I would hope this would be one of those like things to where like comic books will change in the future to fit a mythology more of like out of this film. It just, it is, it's that good to me. I mean, they changed all Guardians of the Galaxy so it fits the James Gunn narrative. So it's mm. like, why not do that with the Submariner? I would totally read like a six part miniseries about this name, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. So after learning about Namor's. Um, Namor's origin and learning about the existence of Thalokan, um Namor continues to um you know he 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 insists that even with even more reason he has to protect his people and uh Talokan from uh anyone that would want to plunder and take any of their resources mm-hmm. so that it's really important that they get that uh that they get the scientist um However, Shuri insists that there's another way that it can't just be his way of just killing the scientist outright. And that, you know, that there's got to be another way that where they can actually coexist with the surface world in a way that is beneficial for everybody. Um, at this point, Nikki is able to uh, track Shuri and, uh, and Riri down. Mm-hmm. And she ends up killing one of uh, the Talokani on accident. And she's able to escape with them. You know, they're able to... She she uses that cool, like, underwater hover bike thing. <laughs> she ends up giving the girls um, a breather mask. And she's able to kind of escape. And they fly back to Wakanda where... Uh, where Shuri is able to, uh, where she's reunited with uh, Rwanda. Um, and so after, uh, essentially after the Alliance 
between Wakanda and uh, Talokan is dissolved or any possibility of that alliance uh, taking place is dissolved. Um, he and with the death of the of the Talokani guards that were supposed to be protecting uh, Shuri and Riri, this like flips a switch in Namor, and he decides that he is going to take it to Wakanda and make them pay for what they've done. Mm-hmm. And so he rallies an army and swims to uh swims to Wakanda where they use a lot of the same tactics they did before using the siren songs to make uh pilots and people on the river jump off to their deaths and they then proceed with the help of like sea creatures and their water bombs they proceed to flood and damn near sink wakanda into the river (laughs) (laughs) and it's like a small contingent of soldiers but they just start wrecking everything all over wakanda Mm -hmm. and uh, namor takes to the skies and he's like flying around destroying ships um and and you know count you know countering anything that uh shuri and the rest of the wakandan guard are able to throw at him and in the ensuing chaos he ends up using one of those water bombs to like flood the i think it was the it was like the 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 castle right kind of like the main castle where the mm-hmm. uh, where the royal family was staying and in the explosion, he ends up drowning uh, Queen Ramonda and Riri. Very crazy. Again, it's like the action scenes in this. It, it, it felt like you were watching, you know, Killmonger. You were watching the rise of Killmonger in the last movie. So it's like mm-hmm. it was him because it's ascending to the throne. In this one, you really are watching the king of what could be a greater nation that you have no concept of because everything is so targeted and organized and it's such a like just crazy like scene of you know the water attack on Wakanda Mm -hmm. it's it's so nuts that I was just like my god like like obviously we are very upset that Chadwick Boseman is no longer here and I love I really do love the back and forth between Namor and Shuri. Like this Shuri is as good of a character as she is. And she's able to carry the rest of the film after Queen Ramonda dies specifically because of how good Letitia Wright and Tino Tuerta is like just with, with just how good they are on screen together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's at the same time, I'm like, my goodness, like, it's it's unfortunate that we don't have Chadwick Boseman here, but it's because of the fact that he's not here that we are just watching a movie that feels so like it's so good and the stakes are so high. It's incredible, mm-hmm. and it's like as as the guards are trying to pull Queen Ramonda out of the water, he has that awesome line delivery where he says, "Um." What was it? He said, bury your dead, mourn your loss. Mm-hmm. You are queen now, and points mm-hmm. at Shuri and says, I'll be back in a week. 
and you're just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> he says, I'll be back in a week with my entire army. <laughs> and you're just like, like you said, the stakes of like Wakanda has never been this like exposed. And, and well, it's yeah, because like, it's like you've already had like so many main characters die. You're like, mm-hmm. there's no way that they're gonna take another character away, and they do. Mm-hmm. Angela Bassett is gone for the rest of this movie, and you think that she is essentially gonna be the main character, and that, and then at the same time, coming into this movie, I thought that you know that Shuri was gonna ascend to the Black Panther, and now we're gonna get that, and because every again, just like last week, because everything is so well set up. Like when the movie shifts gears to Shuri's ascension into the Black Panther, like to becoming the Black Panther, but also like that in between spot between this and in the climax where she also just wants revenge, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like you understand the reason why she wants revenge. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting once she finally is able to to synthesize, you know, the the the, you know, the the flower like mm-hmm. the once she is like kind of goes into that ast- astro plane you know whatever that that realm is that they go to when they when they take the heart shape herb mm-hmm. like um it, it's it's once you get there it's such nobody's a yeah it, it, i heard audible gasps and ooze Mm-hmm. at a drive-in again <laughs> when it's Killmonger that shows up. Killmonger is the one character that I've seen that can get audible reactions at a drive-in movie theater. Mm-hmm. And it's like when she finally meets Killmonger, you're just like, oh no, this can't end one. <laughs> and of course, Killmonger urges her to like seek revenge against uh, Namor and Talokan. Uh, but after that, she's able to don a new Black Panther suit. Very, uh, some I I don't like. I let me take a look at that suit because I remember someone was saying that it's like a cool mix between the Killmonger and the T'Challa suit. Um, but yeah, she dons this new suit, and right away she, you know, she she's. You know, like this is it. Like, accept it. She is Black Panther, whether you like it or not. Um, and I personally like that she's in the suit essentially the rest of the movie. <laughs> but here she's like determined and just ready for um re- just ready to kill like uh Namor, right? And She's accepted, like, she becomes accepted by the other Wakandan tribes. Uh, and here we learn that um, M'Baku, you know, she thinks M'Baku's, like, teasing her and, like, messing with her. But he actually, or this is where we find out that upon T'Challa's request, if something were ever happened to him, uh, he asked that M'Baku serves as, a con- uh, like, a consultant, as someone to not just care for uh shuri in his absence but also to guide her in a way he can anymore um and as they talk we learn that mbaku kind of urges for peace um you know especially facing a such a powerful like army right uh but we see that influence with killmonger play out where she at this point she just wants blood 
and she's just seen red and she's just uh orders the counterattack against uh Talokan. Uh during this uh kind of preparation, um she uh Shuri ends up giving the giving Okoye her new kind of Iron Man-esque armor. Uh she ends up taking the Dora Milage um and kind of equipping them with new weapons. And then she gives or, or she works with uh Riri to create the Iron Man-esque uh kind of exoskeleton in order to help with the help fight alongside the Wakandans. And it's like as they prepare for that final fight, you know, there's that part where Nakia asks her, you know, she 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 asks who uh Shuri sees in the uh, in the ancestral plane and Shuri just ignores her and you're just like oh no she's I from then on I'm just like she is gonna go down a very dark path <laughs> you're just preparing for it essentially it's it's so good and essentially this is where I get a little confused because they get a little the, the the plan becomes a little convoluted but essentially, they the Wakandans take a uh, a ship out into the ocean uh, with a vibranium detector and use it to well use it to try to draw Namor and his army out. But they end up um, I don't know how they end up using it. <laughs> I guess they use it as a way to kind of like kind of shock and like distract a lot of uh a lot of the warriors um i thought going out into the ocean was such a weird decision for them to go fight i guess it makes sense you can't really you after they just destroyed like the capital city of wakanda you probably don't want another fight in your own backyard but it just felt like such a like why are you putting yourself at such a risk to kind of like uh, to to fight uh the Talakani like out in their home turf, you know. But she ends up having a plan for that where she's able to uh capture Namor in uh one of the Wakandan ships, and she finds out that uh in order to weaken him, she has to dry him out. Um. So she ends up like blasting him with like fire in the ship or blasting him with like uh blasting him to try to dry out all the moisture from his body. And she and and then uh Shuri and um Shuri and uh Namor end up having this intense battle uh on this like desert beach. Uh meanwhile that's happening. We have the Wakandans fi- continue fighting on the ship as well as like Mbaku um Okoye Nakia we also see um how Okoye fares against uh Atuma in the suit uh, this climax you know what it feels like to me it feels like an X-Men movie like I think so yes the movie again this movie is less about a singular character and it's more revolving around a group of people you know which is obviously like Okoye Nakia Mm -hmm. you know Shuri like it, it's been it's about the... Mbaku. It's been about all these characters and the fact that they're on a ship at sea. The fact that you know she and Namor like end up fighting on this beach, like kind of like an island. It reminded me of X Men First Class. Like, <laughs> oh, that I can see. Yeah, yeah. 
to me, it was what Star Wars climaxes are supposed to be. Just like these <laughs> big battle set pieces. <laughs> and also just like the fact that it's like, again, it's like these this hero and villain that you can you can understand both of them. Like I felt like I was watching professor X and like Magneto, like mm-hmm. it had that same kind of like thing to it. And it's impressive. It is impressive. It's like, if, mm-hmm. if, if you, it obviously didn't feel like last week's black Panther movie did, but again, it felt like X-Men and it felt very Marvel. <laughs> well, very all... Marvel in a way that Marvel cinematic universe movies have not been yet because again we mm-hmm. don't have official x-men yet <laughs> yeah so while the talokani get the upper hand on the ship shuri ends up getting the upper hand against um namor um and kind of after she or uh, she ends up getting impaled like with with this if i remember correctly it was like a spear um and on his way, you know, after on his way back to the ocean, he ends up walking by the jet engine of the of the the jet engine of the what's it called? Um Wakandan ship. And Shuri is able to kind of use it to kind of fire blast uh the shit out of Namor one more time, leaving him essentially dying. And as she's able to kind of get off um you know, take the spear out. She offers him a piece between um yeah, she ends up uh offering him a peaceful alliance between uh Talokan and Wakanda. Um and this is after you know kind of the a dueling of the visions between getting revenge for everything. Um everything Namor has done, but then also having a vision of uh, her mother. And I think the line is like, show him who you are. And implying that, you know, she's been the one that's been trying to find a peaceful, a way to peacefully end uh, the conflict between uh, the Talokan and uh, the Wakandans. So after proposing the treaty, uh, they make it back to the ship where they're able to stop the battle in a moment that kind of unifies both groups. Uh, we later learn that much to uh, Namora's like rage, uh, she feels that this is uh, kind of an alliance that shows uh, the weakness of Talokan. Um, however, he assures her that the new alliance is going to help them once they decide to spring to to uh wage war against the surface world mm-hmm. uh riri uh ends up giving up her iron heart suit and returns back to mit where she's going to live a boring life and until the iron heart series <laughs> yep or going to the iron heart series could go either way yeah uh we find out that everett ross has been arrested by the u.s for helping the wakandans throughout this film Okoye manages to break him out of prison, <laughs> out of a prison transport. And um and yeah, the day that Shuri is supposed to be challenged for um be challenged for uh her place as kind of like the queen of uh Wakanda, 
Oh, we have the goofy little scene of Mbaku showing up and he threatens to challenge anyone that challenges <laughs> her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually revealed that um she goes back to or she goes to um visit Nikea and hate in out in Haiti and uh so to do something that she hasn't done yet, which was burn the ceremonial uh funeral clothes. Uh, that she'd originally worn uh, when T'Challa died. Uh, so she gets this moment where she's uh, by herself. And this is one of those scenes I was talking about where like, there's no music. It's just completely quiet. And as she burns the clothes, um, there's just like scenes of her and T'Challa like laughing and hanging out and being together like interspersed from all the movies um and it's just a really like really powerful scene and for the first time we see shuri finally like face her grief of losing her brother after losing her mother as well and kind of making peace with that and she ends up being joined by a little boy and Nakia, uh, a little boy who I believe his name is. Um, oh, well, we get our final credit scene with that beautiful song by uh, by Rihanna. Mm-hmm. And then our mid credit scene or mid credit role is um, Shuri meeting uh, Nakia and this little boy named Toussaint who says that Toussaint is his Haitian name and reveals that he is uh, the son of uh, King T'Challa. Or he he reveals himself to be Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa, mm-hmm. um, grandson of T'Chaka, and essentially revealing that, you know, whatever happens, there's a little part of uh, T'Challa still living somewhere in the world. Right, because then when the movie ends, they end up like doing the Black Panther will return uh, tagline that they've been doing, which Marvel movies got that from James Bond, by the way. (laughs) James (laughs) Bond movies have been doing that for like decades, Mm -hmm. where after the end of one movie, they would say James Bond will return in whatever the name of the next movie is. And yeah, roll rest of the credits and that's our movie. Uh, all right, Tavi. So, did you like Black Panther of Wakanda Forever? I'm trying not to cry thinking about the ending of this movie <laughs> because it's just so, it's just so good. It's so, it's so good the way they like set it up so that way there's gonna be a T'Challa mm-hmm. in the future, and but also they're still celebrating Shuri, who is now and. It's just I I I love this movie. Namor is such a good villain, such a good antagonist. I don't even know if I can call him a villain, but he's just such a good antagonist in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like the emotional roller coaster you take Sherry on, it's just yes, I love this movie. <laughs> I really do. I think Ryan Coogler did a fantastic job making a movie that shows representation that is bringing more characters and bringing more cultures into the into the forefront and 
it's just such a beautiful send off for Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. a guy who wasn't in the MCU for that long, but made such an amazing impact to to shoulder that burden, <laughs> not burden, but to shoulder that role of of having a lot, a bunch of kids be able to look up to you and say, "I feel seen," and it's like. To, sh- to shoulder that and in such a short amount of time like it's incredible and it's mm-hmm. like he's such a huge part of this movie regardless of whether he's with us or not so yeah I think this is the best possible way you could have honored the character of T'Challa and the Black Panther as well as the person that was Chadwick Boseman I would agree I did enjoy this movie I really liked it um, I thought that again, all the things that I've been talking about, it is so unique as a comic book movie to have like, you know, your hero not be in the film and the film basically revolve around all these other characters. Again, the women in this are front and center in a way, in a greater way than they even were in the first film. And, um, you know, Angela Bassett, Oscar worthy performance in this. Um, they reduced some of the stuff with with Agent Ross, which I appreciated because, you know, we had Claw and Ross and like all these other characters in the last film. And even though it was all good and it was fun and I feel like everything had such a good balance to it, I think this movie is better because they have kind of removed even more of those in outside, uh, you know, outside characters like we are specifically mainly dealing with with the worlds of Wakanda and Talokan. And it just, again, it feels like such a real lived in world. Um, it's very impressive. Uh, Ryan Coogler did a great job here. And honestly, this is his fourth film. Uh, as much as I've enjoyed his, his work on Black Panther, I'm very excited to see what he as a director is going to do next. Um, I can't wait to see where he's going to take us next in the next film he decides to do. So, um, yeah, I thought this movie was great. I'm glad that, you know, it was recommended for us to watch it. And I'm glad we decided to watch the original before we watch this movie again, because again, I did not do that when I saw this movie in theaters last year. And I think it made it a much more rich experience to do that. So, um, again, thank you for joining us for this episode of the show. We appreciate you guys continuing to follow us on social media. Please leave us reviews on Apple podcasts. If you can, um, you know, leave us a blurb. Uh, rate the show so that it can continue to you know raise awareness of the show on the apple podcast app uh rate the show on spotify if it's possible and uh, do you know share our posts from ig share our episodes on the social media platform of your choice and uh do what you can to help get the word out for the podcast um absolutely and um yeah it's great for us to continue to be doing this show i feel like we say it every week but you know I'm very much appreciating the fact that we have done so much audience. Like, you know, this is the the year that we've done the most, you know, films that have been requested by listeners in a row. So uh, it, it's, it's cool. It's one thing that I felt like we were always going to kind of get to, but I'm appreciating the fact that we are watching movies that people are asking us to watch. And <laughs> we hope it continues to interest you. The movies that, you know, that you are helping us select, uh, and we appreciate you guys not purposefully thinking shitty, picking shitty movies that you know we're going to hate. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, 
you know, thank you for joining us for this show. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Later, y'all.